Ho, 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 everyone. Welcome to episode 43 of the Drunken Boxing Podcast, this month not coming to you from the Middle Kingdom, as I am visiting sunny South Africa at the moment. I traveled out of Beijing for the first time since the before times, pre-COVID, and managed to catch the old bugger on my way out. I have recovered, and I'm slowly getting back into the swing of things, but this is why things have been a bit slow on the Mushin martial culture front. Well, it is the festive season, so it's a good a time as any to rest up a bit and kick things into a lower gear as well. So I hope you're all having a good build-up to the festive season yourselves as well. With that, there is not much to report with regards to new content on the Mushin Martial Culture YouTube channel since the release of the last episode of the Drunken Boxing Podcast, but I will be continuing to release the story of Baguajang soon, as well as some other goodies for you guys to enjoy. So keep an eye out for those. In other news, I am currently running a festive season special on all merchandise at the Teespring Mushin Martial Culture store. By using the code XMUSMUSHIN, one word, at checkout, you can get a 10% discount on any and all items purchased from the store. This special will run until the end of December. As always, purchasing some Mushin Martial Culture merchandise is one way to support this podcast, as well as my endeavors on the Mushin Martial Culture YouTube channel. Last month, I released a Bagua-themed tee, which features images of the Baguazhang applications from Yen De Hua's 1936 manual. This release features a high-quality sublimated print, which will last forever. Over the next few months, I will be releasing many of my most popular designs from my store in a sublimated option. While these are more expensive than a standard print, the quality of the print and the fact that it lasts makes it worthwhile. So go on and get yourself something to represent these wonderful arts, or as a gift for a friend, and use the promo code for that 10% discount. Once again, the promo code is XMUSMUSHIN, and the store can be found on Teespring at the link listed here and in the show notes. Another way to support my work is through Patreon. There are general support tiers through which you can do just that, and any and all support is highly appreciated. Additionally, there is also a third tier, the Hua Jin tier, in which you can study the arts of Xing Yichuan and Baguazhang in depth. There is already a vast library of released lesson videos for both Xing Yichuan, Baguazhang, as well as their related Neigong skill-building practices, etc. So if you're interested in learning Xing Yichuan or Baguazhang, give the course a try. For example, one of the series of lessons being currently introduced are the Liang-style Baguazhang China methods. These are crucial aspects to the application of Liang-style Baguazhang, and many of the in-depth details shown in the program have not been presented previously in this manner. The Patreon site may be found at patreon.com forward slash Mushin Martial Culture. Okay, let's get into today's podcast. My guest today is Jeff Sweeting, who hails all the way from Brisbane in Australia. Jeff Sweeting began his study of the arts of Xing Yichuan and Baguazhang in Perth, and following this, he moved to Brisbane. He then achieved his qualifications in acupuncture and herbal medicine. And then he traveled to China to further his studies in both Chinese medicine as well as the martial arts. While in Guangxi province, he studied Baguazhang and Taiji Quan. He then traveled to Beijing to find the roots of his arts, and there he began studying with Wang Tong, who is one of Li Ziming's original eight disciples, and a Xing Yichuan disciple of Sun Feng Lin. Incidentally, my own Shifu, Di Guoyong, is also one of Li Ziming's original eight disciples, and Wang Tong is my Shibuo 
or Marshall uncle. So I was very pleased to finally get in contact with Jeff Sweeting, as we are Marshall brethren, and it always makes me happy to see the Liang style arts represented and spread outside of China. And Jeff is an excellent representative who has not only absorbed the art, but built on them in a productive and functional manner. To that end, he has developed Silentium Wrestling, which is a new approach to the functional and practical study and application of these skills in a combative tradition. In addition to these arts, Jeff also studies wrestling, judo, and BJJ under Professor Jason Miller. Jeff Sweeting may be contacted through the links in the show description, but let's get right into it. I give you Jeff Sweeting. Okay, welcome to the Drunken Boxing Podcast. Jeff Sweeting, happy we're getting to do this. How are you doing over there? I'm going really well, Byron. Uh, thanks. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. I'm good, thanks. How are things down in Brisbane? Actually, of course, gotten really hot. We've had heaps of rain, and now it's really humid and hot. That's <laughs> oh. pretty pretty stifling at the moment. Yeah, you guys are going into summer, though, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we get a lot of rain in uh, summer here as well. And you get flooding down there too, don't you? We've had heaps of flooding, and it's supposed to be a pretty... Uh, pretty bad season for it coming up as well oh no it's been bad in victoria you might have seen it on the news over i there. have that's exactly what yeah. i was seeing recently mm. my dad actually lives in brisbane so my dad's side of the oh, family okay. is all there i've been there before but i haven't been for oh, the last few years planning to come through uh sometime soon again when uh maybe china decides to open its borders before the end of the century oh. Hope so, mate. You'll come, have to come and uh, have a catch-up in Brisbane together. That'll be fantastic if you can. That'll be great. That'll be great. Well, let's get into, because the listeners um, probably don't know much about who I'm talking to, so maybe you can give a, a, a brief introduction. It doesn't have to be brief. I don't know why I said brief. A general introduction <laughs> uh, of yourself and, and, and your background. Sure. How, how far back did, did you want me to go all the way back from to, origins? Yeah, basically just after birth. <laughs> as far well, ba- as far back as you want now, so it's, <laughs> it's going to be a, a pretty long podcast mate if we start back there um yeah i'm originally from perth in western australia um i now of course live in uh, brisbane but i've been here for well, over 25 years 27 years or more but um yeah i'm shingi and bagua uh practitioner and and instructor over here um that's part of been doing that for almost 30 years. Mm. Um, and I'm a dita under Wang Tung in Beijing. Right. Who's my martial uncle. So we're actually, we're actually cousins, martial cousins. <laughs> oh, fantastic. See, we're related. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I, was, I was actually surprised to see that there were uh, some of uh, Wang Tung's disciples out there in Australia. I mean, mm. I, I'd heard that he had taught you know, foreign people, but I've never really been in contact with, with any of them. So I was quite pleasantly surprised to, to get in contact with you and your student, Dan Hall as well, who, oh, yeah, great. who helped facilitate this connection. So I was really pleased to see that there's some Liang family Bagua from my direct, you know, family, I mean, as opposed to distant lines of Liang are over there. So that's great. How did you get into all of that? So you dropped off Oh, I was saying again there. Uh, it's, it's a bit odd. I was saying, how did you? I was asking, uh, how, how did you get into all of all of the bagua and uh, and the training? Your your proverbial origin story. Yeah, sure. When I was a kid, I grew up um, 
obviously it's in Perth and Western Australia, actually had a family member who was uh, a martial arts practitioner. Mm. Um, he was a golden gloves boxer and then he got into karate and then he got into the Kung Fu and Chinese styles. Mm. And he was a very early pioneer in acupuncture and Chinese medicine. And so I sort of grew up with the ideas, getting acupuncture as a kid. Oh, wow. Um, her very early exposure to um, TCM and also to Kung Fu and martial arts through, through a family member. He was always doing cool tricks on us and doing, you know, we used to line up as kids, we're holding the cushions on our chest and he'd do the one-inch punch and send us all flying back over the room and we'd all line up again and again and <laughs> just keep sending us back over and over. Well, you know what they say, it's not actually Christmas until somebody gives somebody a one-inch punch. So That's right. <laughs> well, that was every Christmas, uh, a lot of Christmases when we were young, so that was good. It's a gift that keeps on uh, giving. So <laughs> exactly right right through the whole nervous system over <laughs> exactly. and over again but um yeah so i had that very early exposure and and i had a uh, older i've got an older brother who's five years older than me and uh, he you know was into bruce lee and all that as everybody was right. in the in the late 70s and early 80s and uh you know he did a little bit of training um as well and so i sort of of course wanted to follow on uh, with him and and always had an interest there had Bruce Lee posters on the wall as a kid and everything yeah and um, then uh, got into karate of course because the karate kid boom right that movie was a huge uh, you know I didn't want to do the Chinese stuff I wanted to do the, the karate like probably every other 11 or 12 year old whatever I was at the time kid did so I did goju ru right um, for a couple of years and that was pretty good then sort of fell off from martial arts for a while and then got back into training again probably in the very early 90s mm. and again i just i just kind of fell into shingi when i wasn't really uh i wasn't even aware that there was um uh in so-called internal martial arts versus external martial arts Right. I just had this idea. I'd done Japanese martial arts before. Now I'm going to do the Chinese ones. Well, it's interesting that you got into in, in, into Xingyi because usually, I mean, in the West, it's not one of, and it definitely at that time, it wasn't one of the more well-known or exposed styles. I mean, you would you would see Southern yeah. styles and Tai Chi. There's like like the the majority so of it. So it's quite interesting that you had exposure to Xingyi. Yeah, we had a Xingyi Chuan. Uh, we had the, the, the 1968, I think it was, or 69 version of um, Robert W. Smith's Shing Yi book in the house. Mm. We had that for, uh, my brother had it, and I think my uncle had given it or lent it to me and it had been in our house. So it's got all that advice from the masters and everything in the back. So I right. often read that, um, you know, unless my brother beat me up going into his room to, to get the book. But... Uh, um, yeah, I had that there and yeah, my uncle had ended up going to Taiwan and then to China and so he had gotten into Xing Yichuan and he thought that because he was a boxer, he thought the hard hitting in Xing Yichuan was, um, was the way to go, I guess. And uh, so it was really through him, the family member, I didn't even really know per se, uh, you know, the differences between a lot of the different martial arts. Right. To me, it was, I was either going to, I think in Perth, I was either going to be doing Wing Chun or training with my, my family member, my uncle. So he'd started up classes again. 
Okay. Uh, he'd had a break for a while, and uh, so I just um, contacted him and said, you know, I want to get back into training. So, um, yeah, that's actually a valid point about the boxing analogy to Xingyi because um, I'm pretty sure the first exposure to Xingyi by Westerners when they came either to China or Taiwan way back in the day, they must have immediately thought, oh, this is some form of Chinese boxing because of the relative lack of use of kicks. Um, kicks, yeah. And the very straightforward yeah. methods of punching with, you know, a lot of power generation. I'm sure they would have immediately thought, oh, this must be some form of Chinese kind of boxing in their minds, Western boxing. For sure. And um, it's probably scandalous to say, but I, it looks pretty clear for the research that I've done over the last kind of 28, 29 years, you know, the, the, the refinement of Xin Yi Liu He Chuan, uh, to me, to those low postures and animal forms and big commitments with massive deep steps in whole body commitment, whole body power. And then you get that stand up in a long guard um, from Xing Yi Chuan, and that's mm. in that 1800s. To me, it, it looks like the influence of Western old style boxing where they had like Sullivan and all that had the long guard, they had the long front hand and the back right. short hand. Right. And they had a very santee-looking stance. So to me, I think, you know... You, you think there was influence there? I, I, I think there is a, a, a boxing influence there that helps refine from Xinyi the old styles uh, and refines it um, up into that five-element style. And having five punches as well, and Western boxing generally has about five punches. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah, there's, That's all I'm saying. There's definitely, there's definitely something to be observed there. You know, I've also thought about that over the years. But I've also, oh, you know, over the years, when you look at other northern styles as well, classical styles, you find a very similar long arm stance, for example, in Fanzichuan. Right. Um, okay. and, and even they hold there in Fanzichuan, you'll find it sometimes with the, the, the center of the fist slightly turned upwards, very similar to those old long arm like boxing mm -hmm. stances, which, mm -hmm. which were pre, you know, uh, pre-gloved up kind of modern boxing yeah. rules and there's a specific reason and that's why I say this is because that's a natural position when you don't have gloves on these are what people don't absolutely don't you really see MMA realize. people yeah. doing it recently you see UFC fighters going back to that again pushing yeah. back painting back getting that ward off hand you see that very strongly again exactly yeah. because when you're wearing pillowcases on your fists <laughs> I mean you just need to you just need to cover up and there's very little chance of that that gloved up fist mm -hmm. going through a guard with through the holes in a guard so you can just yeah. cover up at a very close range and you'd be pretty safe but when you when you 100%. when you don't wear gloves there's a lot of holes that can be exploited and they get exploited very quickly so the safest bet is to extend the guard to try immediate me you know to deal with a with an attack at a longer range before it has a chance to you know come into those those holes and and hit you so Absolutely. so you know i agree that there could be some their crossover with with boxing influence but it could also mm. just be a natural progression of what's logical with with true with good that. boxing is good boxing exactly human exactly. body four limbs same there's only so many ways we're going to be able to move and respond for sure yeah that's why i find it you know um it's something that i think martial artists we do sometimes out of out of uh love for our particular art specific art but also sometimes out of out of ignorance we don't realize that you know humans have been fighting since the dawn of time so to think that <laughs> that it's going to be chalk and cheese so different from one place to the other is a little bit silly because mm -hmm. human humans 
the only reason we exist up until today is because we've got ingenious minds and we're able to use them in correct like logical effective manner so it makes sense that two completely disconnected humans and cultures will come to the same conclusion you know i mean absolutely and as you as you know that's the spirit of xing yichuan right is yi is, is is the weapon the humans don't have can't spit venom or um don't have claws but we have a brain yeah and uh that's the that's that's the kind of secret of Xing Yi Chuan. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right, able to um, that's the greatest weapon of all. Well, you know the the idea for the change of the name from Xin, you know, with heart, and yep. Yi to Xing, which is yeah. shape, and Yi. You know, there's 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 some connection between heart, Xin, and Yi intent because generally in Chinese, Absolutely. they they might think that if you explain it in a very rudimentary way, it means just the mind or something but actually mm. there is a difference between xin which is the emotional mind and yi which is the yeah. co cognitive mind right so the one that's exactly right and, mm. and that that change in the name was actually to to kind of highlight the the cognitive human side of the mind over you know the emotional mind but actually you know the one drives the other so you can get you can get completely yeah. angry with something and just react in a very uncontrolled manner or you can take that and then funnel it with intent in a specific way it's usually more effective so that's exactly right and that was my understanding of the xin yi that that uh, the internal harmonization of or internal harmonies of that coupling mm. xin is that exactly what you said it's like qin is the horse and yi is the rider right and you know that the the, the 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 heart can you know the the if if the rider falls off the horse, the horse will bolt and just be run, you know, just untethered through through the forest out of control. Mm. So you need the years, the rider, and the shins or horse. And part of Xing uh, Yichuan is to actually align those. That's the first point of call to have the instinctual energy, the feeling, the chi of that emotion, but to guide that and direct that and harness that through the year, the, as you say, the cognitive function, the the conditioned mind that can control that force otherwise it's just like a wildfire yeah very very true that's that's it well i kind of we kind of went off on a side side path here we, <laughs> we were talking about your path so you said you started uh you started learning uh xing yi um with your uncle yeah. i take it yeah that's right and um for whatever reason he went through taiwan i think it was the tang shou dao yeah uh sort of organization down there at that time uh, must have been in the late. I don't have the exact date, sorry, but it must have been around the late 70s, early 80s mm. that um, he was over there, and he was influenced by Robert W. Smith's writings and the access to those early books on Xingyi and Bagua. And so, yeah, he he just started, and this was would have been in the early 90s. Um, so I started a training with him, right. uh, pretty pretty uh, fundamental sort of you know standing in Santi and doing five elements and very sort of uh, rudimentary but fundamental training i had a very interesting conversation it's still going on i posted one of my uh santi sure timer videos that i made recently um i put yep. i put it in a in a martial arts group a chinese martial arts group on reddit and you know i got these these guys trying to say that <laughs> firstly the one guy was saying that santi sure doesn't come from xing yi chuan it comes from yi chuan and i had to give him a history lesson <laughs> 
Okay. And then I've, I've to this day, I've still got somebody commenting saying, oh, well, we don't see the founder of uh, Xingyi Chen as Li Luoneng. Uh, according to something that I read, there's actually three streams and the founder is Gigi Ke. And I'm like, oh, my God. I don't, am I having to have oh, okay. a very basic conversation here? But the, the point yes. that they were trying to make was that, no, no, no. Xingyi practitioners don't really practice Santi Shir. Some Only some do. And I was like, uh no <laughs> it's like it's signature my, practice i mean <laughs> yeah my first day in beijing it, uh, when i'm tra- training in beijing come on i'll jump just jump ahead my first day training in beijing i went down to the purple you know the purple bamboo park right. where i've trained there for years and tra- years and years yeah you're right okay great first day down there probably six o'clock in the morning still dark winter yeah so we're december freezing cold as you know yeah and I was much unprepared. I had to stand in Santi all day, pretty much, with breaks. Yeah. Just swapping leg to leg. And, and uh, Wang Travu would uh, come and he would just sweep my front foot. So I had to lift it off and place it back down. So it would go 100% weight on the back foot and then place it back Replace down. Replace it, yeah. Yep. And do that over and over, have breaks, have lunch, come back in the afternoon and do it all day. By the end of that day, those subway stairs coming out of the subway, trying to go back to the hotel, I could not walk. It was hell. It was crippled. <laughs> yep. That was my first day of Shingy tra- tra- training back then. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And, and that's what I was trying to get at here. It's like, we're talking about the art that Lilo Nung created. When we say Xing Yi Chen with Xing as in shape, that's Lilo Nung's art. What he learned 100%. before that... Xinyi Liu He from the Dai family. There's a whole lot of de- Dai family, yeah. Xinyi, yeah. There's a whole lot of debate exactly what he learned. He learned from them. Where I'm under the under the belief that he cross trained with some other stuff as well, and that he created yeah. this art based on that. But his core fundamental practice was standing in Santi Shi, and and yeah. and there so. are very very versions of Zhan Zhuang standing already in Dai family practices. So to say mm-hmm. that it it didn't exist or it's not part of Xing Yichuan is very strange for me today because that's the fundamental practice. And as you say, that's what you start with. I mean, yeah. you will do that for hours and hours and hours and hours. Like my teacher told me yeah. his teacher stood for three years. He wasn't taught anything else. Yeah. Three years, San teacher. Yeah. So, yeah, I've done hundreds, if not thousands and thousands of hours on that. Yeah, exactly. that's exactly right. Even when I started with my uncle, we did that when I... Five or so years later, when I when I went to China, we did the, repeated the same thing. Yeah. So 100%. I don't understand where people would not think that that wasn't the absolutely. It's called the gateway to Xingyi boxing. So yeah. Uh, I don't understand. Well, you know, very- I suppose you could say that there might be a minority of people or certain people that don't stand in it but let's not let's not now try paint the brush that 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 represents the majority of it i would say that if you've got one one or two in a thousand practitioners that don't practice santisha okay that's a possibility but the the majority of them definitely do Um, Mm. and Mm. even even what you could say is that there's might be some debate on which uh uh, discussion or which groups decide to stand how long some might focus on extremely long periods yeah. of standing and others not so long but they all stand some people say yeah everybody stands but some people exactly what i was going to say as well is they don't say don't go past 10 minutes on each leg other people say work up to 20 right we were i did 35 i could do 35 on my right leg and 32 on my left or something that's what i worked up to yeah you're right legged huh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right leg dominant. The, the jeans don't fit over the right leg, but they always fit on the left one. Right. 
All right, so yeah, you started training, you started doing Santi Shoe with your uncle. Let... Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was, um, I'd had a bad accident actually, and I had uh, to get some acupuncture and various things and sort of rehab my body from an accident back then when I was younger as well. And um, so I started to get some acupuncture and, and Chinese medicine treatment, and I was getting right into train the Gong Fu, uh, Xing Yi Chuan. We primarily did uh, Xing Yi Chuan. We did some sort of Yi Chuan type standing because the instructor was, you know, had sort of gone into Yi Chuan and various things a little bit as well. Mm. Um, so we did a lot of standing then. We did a lot of hours and hours of standing. When, when you say things. other standing, were you doing things like Fu Hu, Taming the Tiger and Qianglong, Descending Dragon? Not so much those, but we would do like, you know, the round of the three roundings oh, or okay. bracing racing the chest and we, we might do a little bit of the kind of shield and sword sort of side on ones, but mainly Santi and, and, um, downward pressing palms from Bagua okay. and various things. Not that I knew it at the time. It was just go through a different set. Um, some uphold heaven, uh, as well. So it was sort of a mixed bag of stuff. Right. That's all good stuff though. I mean, irrespective of yeah, you yeah. doing Shingi or Bagua, that's all really good stuff. I mean, uh, we'll get into the Bagua stuff in a bit. You you carry yeah. carry on with your 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 history because it's yeah. quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So the so um yeah I was training a lot and and um, getting treatment and stuff as well and so I sort of expressed some interest in learning about acupuncture and Chinese medicine as well and um, yeah my uncle said well if you really want to understand these arts on a deeper level it's good to study the Chinese medicine as well. Mm. So then I um applied for that and that's how I moved over to Brisbane because there's only really two courses in Australia back then at the time and that was either down in Sydney and I didn't really fancy living down there if I, I didn't have to mm. at the time uh, and Brisbane and it just turned out that he was going to Brisbane for a period of time as well so I'd be able to continue some Xing Yi Chuan uh, over here so I went and enrolled um, I got my qualification in uh, uh, traditional Chinese medicine as well and I was training Xing Yi the whole time um, so that was probably over a four or five year period. Okay. Yeah. So th this is, um, there's only two places in, in, in Australia. Is it still like that today? That, that certify people for Chinese acupuncture and medicine? There's more courses around, yeah. Than, but it was pretty, um, it was still pretty, pretty underground then. It was, it was uh, not a lot of practitioners around and not a lot of uh, colleges, but there's more around now. And was there yeah. a lot of demand back then for people looking for treatment? Um, yeah, yeah, it was. Okay. It was pretty popular. I mean, it was still alternative. You couldn't get rebates on health funds or anything like that per se at the time. Right. But um, yeah, it was getting more and more popular. I think that early 90s had a real kind of um, alternative uh, medicine and uh, it was a real movement sort of a, another wave coming off the kind of um, 70s and 80s that early 90s had another alternative wave not just in music but just across the board alternative living and mm. uh, and I think the martial arts was a part of that as well that's interesting I mean what is the mm. current uh, mentality or or thought towards Chinese acupuncture and medicine in Australia today are they open more open to it yeah it's very well accepted okay yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's almost an acupuncturist on um, every corner over here now. But, um, yeah, it's uh, people don't bat an eyelid, eyelid about acupuncture anymore. It's definitely much more mainstream. Oh, that's great. All right, yeah, so so you, you got your qualifications. Did you open up a practice in Brisbane then? Or did you were you still 
traveling. Yeah, yeah, open night practice. But but I um before I did that, I got my qualification here, and then I did my postgraduate uh, work in China, and that was my way of getting to China to go and train. Okay, nice. Uh, martial arts, actually, which was my main aim through the whole thing. Um, so I got into the Guangxi province in Nanning in the in the Chinese Medicine College down there. Mm. In the south of China, and that's that was my first trip to China. I think that was when was it? yes, must have been. Uh, I think it was ninety. Graduated in ninety seven. Then I went over there in ninety eight. Okay. Okay. So I started off in the south of China, but they had no Xingyi uh, boxing there. They couldn't find any Xingyi instructors down there for me, or the doctors and the college. But um, they found a. I said, you know, can you get Xingyi or Baguá? Because I wanted to train in the evenings, mm. and they found me. But then. Um, she was the national champion at the time, Zhang Xiaomin. Okay. Uh, she was the wushu. It was a wushu style of Bagua. So yeah. I used to train with her at night. And then there was a uh, Taiji uh, Chen instructor, Bo, Bo Le, I think his name was. Mm. Um, did a little bit with him. I wasn't interested in Taiji, but I just did it to train. Right. Uh, to summon. In China at the time, yeah, yeah. Guang so yeah, we used to Guang hospitals and stuff, and then come home and train and um, do some baguah and stuff at night. Right. Guangxi is obviously more well known for the southern styles. Uh, yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. What, did you have a bit of culture shock when you first got there? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It was just because in that time in the nineties, um, Nanning was not a. You know, there was a lot of beggars and poor people yeah. and. Uh, it was a coming from Australia was yeah it was an absolute culture shock mate to be there rats running around out of the everywhere out of the restaurants you know literally <laughs> people chasing them out of the kitchens big black rats as big as a cat yeah like all the kind of cliched things um, people were amazing but yes it was a very um, it was a, it was an absolute culture shock for me for sure I'm sure <laughs> and I'm sure the I mean Guangxi is also pretty well known for its wider wider variety of things they eat. So I'm, oh, definitely. I'm sure that was a culture shock for you too. Yeah, it was amazing, mate. It was, it was an amazing time. And um, it was great working at the hospital and got to work in um, lots of different areas and, as I said, training at night. But I was always planning on getting my uh, doing my postgraduate work, getting my certificate there and then going up to Beijing looking for ah. the Xing Bagua Masters up there. So how, how long were you in Guangxi for? Um, it was about, I think I was there for just under two months. Okay. I think it was in China, that trip for two months Okay. altogether. Um, I can't remember, sorry, exactly off exactly how long the course was. It might have been like a six or seven week course. Right. Um, uh, most days. And yeah, because I ended up in Beijing at the end of my trip yeah. just for just over, uh, just over two weeks. I think um, for that leg of it. And what was that like for you when you to contrast from Guangxi? Well, it was an, it's a bit of an interesting story because um, yeah, well as you know, like it's a big big city. The people are completely different. They look different. Yeah. Um, northerners. It was great because I took that train up from the south up for, uh, to the north. Oh, that's and so awesome. It's a yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so I get to see you know you get to see to change like wheat fields and various things. From the south and the and the rice and the, you see that change of uh, scenery as you're taking that train trip up. So that was great having like uh, two days and a night on the train sort of thing. So that was really good. And I met some people on the train that helped me as well. But um, when I 
left Australia, I the only thing I actually had was given. Um, it's a bit of an interesting story how I actually found uh, Wang Shufu and hmm. uh, started training with him. Is I was only given a photo of uh, Sun Jianyun, Sun Lutong's daughter, daughter, Sun Feng Lin, the Xingyi master, right, and Wang Tong. There was a photo of three of them all together. <laughs> okay. So I didn't have a name. I didn't have any Chinese characters or a name or an address or any idea and you know how big Beijing is I think it was almost 15 million people at the time yeah. there. Um, so when I was in the south of China where I was staying there at the uh, university or the college grounds I had a uh, made a friend there who was a Taiji uh, practitioner and a Chinese herbalist and Chinese herbal scholar he was an Israeli fellow Yaron and he just wrote in Chinese because he could read and write Chinese really well mm. and he just wrote in Chinese a bit of paper he said look there's all these stadiums that do wushu up there in Beijing. Right. So get to one of these, and he just wrote what the name for a, sta- <laughs> a sports stadium would be, I guess. Yeah. I don't even know what it said. I mean, I could speak. I did two years of Chinese to speak and stuff. I could get around and order food and stuff, but I wasn't very good with mm. reading and writing and the deep stuff. And so he said, look, just try it. And, and they'll probably know the old masters and things like this, and they might be able to give you a hand. So, yeah, I had this kind of uh, printed out photo and then I had this scrap of, uh, you know, paper. Scrap paper ripped off in the corner with these Chinese characters on it and I jumped on the train and uh, headed up to Beijing on the journey. So, um, yeah, once I got up there, uh, I actually had a contact. It was a TCM, another TCM college in Beijing in, in the old um, quarter near all the hutongs. Okay, closer to the center. Anymore, yeah. So I had a hotel that was an attached to the kind of TCM, the, the traditional Chinese medicine build, uh, building, and um, I stayed at the hotel there. And uh, the next morning, I just um, woke up really, really early. It was one of those kind of winter, uh, cold but clear days that you get. Yeah. And I just hit the streets. I kind of figured out where the city centre would be, and I walked around looking for. Um, buildings that look like institutions or something and try to ask people with this bit of scrap of paper <laughs> do, you, do you know what this is and do you know where this would something like this would be right so you can imagine how that went that went on for hours i'm sure hours, but, um, <laughs> about say lunchtime so this is probably about four hours into the journey or five hours already and um, I looked, so all these look like students coming out at lunchtime, coming out, and I thought, that look must be a college or a uni or something. Right. And so I went up to people in their, you know, early 20s and stuff, and I said, you know, tried to say, do you know where something like this is, sports, you know, kung fu, wushu. And, uh, you know, a whole bunch of people ignored me. Yeah. But um, then one, one young lady, she sort of um, gestured with me with a hand, and she went, locked up a bike. And she said, follow me. And she went to a pay phone. She made a phone call. And then she uh, adjusted with me again. She was standing at a bus stop waiting. I'm trying to talk to her, but she's barely saying anything at all. Mm. Doesn't speak any English and my Chinese wasn't that great. Gets to the bus, pays for two tickets, gets me on. We're on this bus, absolutely packed, going all, I don't know where we are, <laughs> what we're doing. I've got no clue where we're going. <laughs> but she's going out of a way and... Uh, in those days, people had uh, pages, of course, no mobile phones or mm. anything, or internet. And, uh, yeah, so we, we, we 
we're on these buses. We change. Uh, she made another phone call. We got another bus, probably on that for 20 minutes. Got off there and then followed her. And she ends up taking me to one of these big stadiums right in the middle of Beijing. And and uh, go out of the way. She must have been gone for you know an hour and a half, easy. And she said, "Is my pager number? If you get lost or anything, just." get them to ring my pager and I'll come and save you again. <laughs> I tried to, you know, give her some money or thinking she just disappeared off into the day. Yeah. Um, and so I went up into there and there was all the, uh, there was a couple of Wushu, I think the Russian Wushu team was there. Okay. Maybe something like a Polish one or something, but there was um, uh, no sort of actual Chinese people hanging around in there. It was lunchtime and as you know, like especially back then, the whole, everything shuts down for that two, yeah. two three hours. Everybody disappears. So I couldn't actually get really any help from there. So I walked out of uh, these offices kind of across the road from the big actual stadium that you could see. And um, there was an army guy riding a, a bike. And so I hailed him down and I said something to him. He showed him the same thing. And then he rode off. And I just thought, oh, yeah, doesn't want to help. Yeah. Doesn't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Foreigner. And then I'm walking down this road in the afternoon, no clue, sun's going down now, don't know where I'm going, and um, I hear this, hey, hey, and it's this army guy riding the bike back, he's like, I've walked off, he's, ro he's gone off and come back, and uh, he's gone and found whatever I was looking for, and, and uh, he, he took me to some offices underneath the actual stadium itself. Okay. And uh, there's a rabbit warren of stuff in there, and I, I went through and... Uh, there's three guys with their heads down on different desks asleep, just absolutely asleep, you know, and, I, and <laughs> made the coffin, knocked on the door and eventually roused one of them. Oh, oh my God, the foreigners here staring at us. <laughs> and, um, you know, I had the photo of Wang and Sun Jian Yun and Sun Fan Lin and um, said, you know, I was looking for, for, for these people and these, these teachers and blah, blah, blah. And then he disappeared off and come back and, and he said, I could understand, he said, my boss, uh, you know, my boss will know these people. Okay. And about half an hour later, yeah, came back and went and saw the boss and showed him the photos and um, and then he knew all of them. And he said, uh, Sun Jian Yun has passed away recently. Yep. Yep. And um, uh, Sun Fang Ling had already passed away. and uh, But he knows Wang Tong. He said, I'm friends with him. I'll give him a call. So he rang... Uh, uh, Master Wang, and by sort of night time, uh, you know, sort of sundown there, I was in a cab going over there and knocking on the door of uh, Master Wang Tong. Oh, mission accomplished. Oh, mission. I mean, that's mission. That's quite a lot of luck that you had. I mean, probably fate, but yeah, but quite a lot of luck that you managed to find the specific person that you were looking for. I mean, pardon the other two that had passed yeah. away already, but that's. Did you ever find out which stadium you were you were at, where you were? I didn't. I didn't. No. That's interesting. No, I didn't. Yeah. yeah. And why Why did you have this particular photo of these three individuals? It's because when, when my, my uncle had gone from Taiwan, eventually in the 80s he'd gone to mainland China and um, he'd ended up in the parks in Beijing. Okay. And he was doing Chinese medicine there as well, similar thing to, to what I ended up following and doing as well. Right. And so he'd ended up, for, you know, seeing Wang and the group must be in the Purple Bamboo Park at the time as well, I, I'm pretty sure. And, um, you know, Wang and that said to him, well, if you find anyone else who's better at Xingyi and Bagua around here, go and train with them. If not, come back and train with me. Okay. But but um, he was very secretive, so he didn't really say 
who his teachers were and uh, you know is that time in the in the early 80s and now this you know 70s and 80s where the orient's still very you know mysterious yeah. and um yeah so he wasn't forthcoming exactly we didn't really know and he didn't really say that he was actually on paper the deeter of wang tung okay because they were probably only about 10 years apart perhaps yeah yeah maybe so yeah, so he never said, "Look, this is Wang Tong, and and this is the, you know, in that sense." So you, that you don't know if he if he did Baisha with Wang Tong even. Yeah, he did. Oh, he did. He had. Yeah, he had. Okay. I found, yeah, 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 yeah. I did. I did know that later on. Okay. Yeah, but um, yeah, because of the way that I found him, because after that, when I went down and started training the next day at the Purple Bamboo Park, then they got a translator, and they said, first thing they said, "How come you're." instructor didn't give master one you know the actual address he knows the address exactly where he lives oh and then they asked me how i found him because what had happened is the guy on the phone had misunderstood and he basically said to wang tung that i was my uncle oh i see that's why i said send him around i haven't seen him for for, for you know decades so and um when i knocked on wang's door he opened the door he's just you've changed staring at me <laughs> And he did not, he did not flinch. Later he said to me, he said, you look, you looked enough like your uncle. You know, he said, you were too, uh, too old to be his son, hmm. but you looked enough like him to actually have to be related. I guess you must have been his nephew or something. Okay. So, you know, he just waved his hand, come in, okay. be my guest. He's in that night. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the next day when they had the translators actually asked me all the detail, and I probably left it, you know, about how I found Wang exactly without the address, and I told them the whole story and how I ended up there, and they said, well, you know, Master Wang feels that, you know, it's, it's destiny in the sense that you're destined to be his student because of the way you found him over that. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier as well. It's probably destiny because that's a very... And to get what you did done in a day is not very easy or no, normal it's, either. Yeah, so. it's pretty incredible, mate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Spirit being... So from then on, you started training with him? Next morning, early in dark, straight away, mate. Matt was the first day and he just said to me, we got down there really early um, and it was just me and him as far as the Xingyi Bagua crew in that part uh, at that time because it was winter and stuff and there wasn't a lot of students right. around. And... Um, he said, do you want me to show you? What do you want me to show you? And I said, well, you're the master. And he goes, do you want to learn correctly or you want me to show you a bunch of forms and techniques? I said, I want to learn correctly. So it's right, this is Santi. And he just exactly. yep, corrected my Santi and uh, made major changes to it. And we spent that um, horrific day in the freezing cold um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> with the worst shaking legs I've ever had. <laughs> well, did you have the correct clothing for no, Beijing's I didn't. winter? Because number one, I've been the south of China, because you know it's a lot yeah. warmer and more humid, and I come from Australia. I had every yeah. article of clothing out of my suitcase on at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I can I can believe that. It's always I remember my first trip to China. Um, I came to Beijing, and that was early, probably two thousand. Yeah. Uh, and uh, from Beijing, it was winter. I then went into Inner Mongolia for three months, oh, wow. and that's even colder. Yeah, that was, and I just remember getting out of the airport in Inner Mongolia and taking my first breath and feeling like my lungs had frozen. <laughs> I remember seeing us that somebody had hung up like a a, a jersey, a sweater that they had washed. Uh, as I got to the community area that I was going to stay in, and they had hung this thing up to dry, and the thing was frozen solid with icicles hanging off of it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, that just reminds me, I had a beanie on, which I'd bought was my beanie from for, for a, a, a winter in Australia, which is like not cold at all, really, especially where, I'm, or where I was living. And I was sweating in my beanie and it was freezing in the beanie. The yeah. sweat was freezing in the beanie and I had no gloves. And, you know, Master One was saying, you got to get yourself a pair of gloves at least. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. You need gloves. Particularly, you know what I found like training through winters here outdoors? When you start, because every session begins with sun t-shirt. It doesn't matter how long you've been practicing. Yeah. So we used to start with, with Jan Zhuang every single session. And um, for the first five minutes or so, yeah. You definitely need the gloves or so, but then after that five minutes or so, things start to you're okay. move. Yeah, exactly. And then you're okay. Actually, about 10 minutes, 15 minutes later, you can take the gloves off. Yeah. But for that static portion in the beginning, you definitely should have gloves on. Yeah. Exactly. So, I, I know of people that have been standing out in the parks here in winter and they got frostbite on like fingers. And I believe things, it. So. There was an Ichuan guy there. He would stand off. You know how they've got those little, I don't know if they still got them. You know, the little cross bits of bamboo. Do, do they still have that to designate? They do. Into the card pants? Yeah, great. Um, yeah. And uh, he would stand behind those in the actual bushes, if you like. He, okay. he would be there in the dark before I'd get there, and I'd be thinking I'm the first one there. And he would just yeah. be standing in that, that, in, in that Juan Zhang with no gloves most of the time, and he'd just give you a mm. nod. And he'd be facing exactly where we train. One would come and talk to him, you know, have a few durries in the morning and yeah. to him and he'd just be standing there, mate, for hours in the cold, yeah, but in the dark, not moving. He was, he was incredible. There's actually quite a few prominent practitioners that practiced in Zizhu Yan, even from uh, Yichuan. Mm. And their, their descendants still carry on training there in the same spot today. Mm. So, yeah, they, they, there's, you can, I know exactly where they are. In fact, a friend of mine who studied with them used to train there every single morning. And they just literally don't move for like yeah. three hours. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Serious. That's, 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 Serious that's there. Yeah, I mean that that was one my first place training with my teacher as well was Purple Bamboo Park. I I made a little video um it was either earlier this year or whatever. I went and filmed there a little bit. Uh Great. So you should take a look. It'll bring yeah, back some memories for I will. You. Is that on your Instagram or is it on YouTube or on my YouTube channel? I've got a few videos called uh, under a series called The Martial Parks of Beijing. So I filmed a little bit in, in, in Purple Bamboo. I went to uh, the Temple of Heaven. I went yeah. to the Temple of the Sun as well. I've got a couple of others that I want to go to. But yeah, uh, you can go check it out. I you, will. It's fantastic. It'll bring back memories for you. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so. I think if you, I think on both my Instagrams, on um, my freestyle and turn of martial art and Slentium Wrestling, I've got... Um, I don't know if I've got photos because my freestyle and turn of martial arts one's a new one. I'm just still getting content up there. But you, mm. you can see the Purple Bamboo Park. Wang's got his shirt off. But that's years later in summer. But you can see the Shaolin mm. Chuan guys that used to train next to us. And there's, a, I think it was a Chen Tai Ji Chuan um, that Master Wang used to bully all the time over there. And, um, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of those crew that were there from back when I was first there. It's, it was a similar setup. Everybody had their spot. And, uh, yeah, it's great. Right. Have a look. That sounds excellent. Did you guys used to train, um, if you just come in from that one door, I think it's the West Gate. I can't remember if it's West or North. Yeah. Uh, and you just you just turn off to the left and it's behind a small grove there. Yeah, you used to come in and have that red, it was just like, there was a bunch of bamboo. Um, yeah. 
And then they had that red uh, uh, gate that you would come in, yeah. And you, yeah, essentially, I think you go left, and it's not far down in the grotto, sort of there. That's yeah. That's where that's I used just... to train as well. Yeah, wow. I used to train, and one of Wang Tong's students uh, teaches there still and today. Oh, who's... Still, when he's there. Do you know his name or? I don't remember his name. I don't remember his name, but he, I haven't seen him for a couple of years anyway. Is you know, the pandemic is kind of... or later? I think it's one of his original. Yeah, like, okay. One of his original. Yeah. But, you know, the, the pandemic has screwed everything up. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's true. Even, you'll see it even when I filmed there. The, the, the people that you I expected to see just over two years, they're not there anymore. And... Um, yeah, hopefully it recovers. But we used, I also used to train there with my teacher. But then we used to stop training in the park and used to train in the parking lot of a restaurant right next to it because there'd be less people. Yeah, that's And that's, that became our spot. And, and that crazy. restaurant's gone. It's crazy busy so. in the summer, isn't it, down there? Um, oh, it's crazy. It's Everyone's dancing everything. or doing Yeah, that. I don't think it's, yeah. like, it's good, not good to train there in the summer. Like That's too busy. Exactly. Yeah. So we used to train right next to it. It wasn't too far. You'd, um, instead of going into that gate, you'd walk across that bridge. If you remember, there was that little, um, there's a bridge that goes over the canal. There was a canal on the one side. So yeah. it was between the, between the park and the National Library. Because you know, the National Library is right next to it. No. Or did. Oh, maybe yeah, they did, but I forgot because a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So it was right, right close to the library. We'd, we'd train in the restaurant. It was an open parking of a restaurant. So they, they wouldn't open until closer to lunch. So there's completely yeah. open. So you have the, and we yeah, used to train there. Space, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Perfect. So what was your training like with, with Wong Tong? Yeah. So um, we trained every day for just over two weeks. And um, I, yeah, we trained uh, every, uh, all day. So in those early trips that I did there at that time, we would train really early in the morning. We'd get yeah. some to eat. Then we'd come back and train again. And then we'd, ha and then, uh, we'd get to lunch and we'd have that two-hour period. Obviously, in summer, we'd come back way later because it was too balmy and too hot. You didn't like too hot. It was too yeah. hot. Being from Australia, we didn't really care. But um, And then we would train all night. So often... Uh, not at the Purple Bamboo Park. That was a bit. Uh, uh, was later because Master Wang yeah. moved, moved away from there, and uh, they built all those new kind of fancy high rises and uh, Heidi and 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 they had the big courtyards. So we started yeah. training there. So we we would train, um, uh, you know, train at night there because it was cooler. Sometimes at eleven o'clock at night. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah, I've yeah. done that many times with my teacher. Yeah, as well. that's actually really nice in it is, summer, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no. and then just eating a lot of food and 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 resting uh, in between. Yeah, so I trained every day with him for 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 two weeks, and um, and uh, yeah, we really hit it off. We had a good rapport, and um, and he liked the effort that I put in, and agreed to to keep training me. Oh, that's great! And initially, you were focusing on Xing Chan. I was, and all he used to say to me, well, what happened is once I was allowed to actually um, do something, he would say, "Attack me with your Xing Chan." So. He would just take me out with Bagua every time. He would never use any shingi, and he would just like a trip and throws and point to heaven, uh, pierce the earth, and um, you know do like sort of um, knee, knee taps and stuff from 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 point to heaven, stab the earth, and and just stand up, grapple and wrestle against me, and yeah. um, turn, you know dodging from one flank to the other and turning. And I really, you know, I was really impressed with what he could do. With that, and all he used to say is, um, "Look, 
that, that first few week, couple of weeks that we did training, he, he just said, at the end of your training, just do 10 minutes circle walking. Okay. And that's how fun. So it was giving you, basically getting you into it slowly. Yeah. But he showed me some sort of linear flow forms that he used to um, practice in, in a kind of freestyle way where you'd be mm. swimming. And like, like the end, like if, you, if you're coming around back to guard in your 64 palm. Um, okay. Any of those snaking and dragon moves. And he, he just showed me a bunch and he showed me the application straight away. And so we used to just drill these and turn and turn up and down, up and down, up and down. So he had me doing that. And then he had me doing some circling. I'd done a little bit of bagua back in Australia, but the teachers right. that I'd trained with didn't really rate bagua, mainly because they didn't know, they hadn't really learned it yeah. properly and they couldn't apply it correctly. And so they didn't really yeah. know what the moves were for. So we did a bit of dingshire. So I already had the basic circle walking, a four palm shapes um, yeah. down a couple of... So just for the pages. listeners, just for the listener, dingshire is fixed body uh palms so fixed we do circle palms, walking yeah. holding yeah holding a fixed body posture yeah yeah so yeah. You, you started learning those yeah so i already started learning those in australia especially when i was in brisbane doing a training and then i would fly back to perth and and teacher would be back here as well and back and forth mm. um and he started some classes and and after i've been doing it a few years he got me to start taking the classes here i didn't really i didn't want to teach but um he wanted right. me to, to teach because I'd, I'd picked it up. I'd dedicated my life to I'd do three hours a day easy, um, mm. sometimes four hours, two in the morning, two in the evening, even when I was, yeah. you know, working or at college. Um, so, yeah, I didn't really want to teach but just sort of fumbled into that and, and, and fell into that. And so that would help, you know, I had people to train with and do the basics. So, yeah, there's a little Good. bit of those fixed eight palms with an emphasis on, emphasis on um, probably the qigong and, uh, and stillness and movement uh, type of yeah. meditative aspect for that, and then Shingi more for um, some actual technical stuff um, and self-defense. Right. Yeah. yeah, so Wang just improved my circle walking as well, even all on that first trip, and, um, yeah, showed me some of these uh, linear drills and, and just little movements and techniques and how to apply them. And I went away, and, and I did a lot over that next year before we... Um, uh, before I came, and he ended up coming up to Australia actually, and uh, oh, wow. his first trip. Yeah, we brought him out to. Um, I got a group together and we brought him out to to Brisbane. That was his first trip at, uh, uh, out of uh, China ever. And wow. so he he lived with me, and so we 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 lived together for you know a month at a time and do intensive training, and then he'd go back, and then a year I'd work and save up my money, then I'd go to China for three weeks and nice. train every day intensive. So and. Uh, all day, every day, and night, and then come back, and then he'd come the next year. We just sort of did that over, over that you know, couple of decades. I can't remember how many trips. I probably did five trips to China or something. He might have done four or five trips over here as well. Okay, nice. Yeah. So you 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 started doing more and more of the the Bagua Zhang curriculum through yeah. that process as well. Yeah, and then when we started getting into that deeper, I mean, it didn't take me long to be hooked. There was something great, you know, you know what the circle walking like, it's addictive yeah. to circle walk. Anyone who's ever done it, it's, it's an addictive practice to do such a, just a great daily practice mm. um, at any level. And uh, yeah, I got right into it. But I found the trips and the throws and the stand-up grappling, the, the, the shuai jiao, not just the shuai jiao, but just the, the adapted self-defense trips and throws in Bagua, yeah. I just took to them like a duck to water. 
Right. I, I, I just found I could do them on lots of different body types and people very quickly, almost immediately, actually. Um, okay. Yeah. So that was a real... And I was a staunch Shingy man <laughs> before that. My teacher was a staunch Shingy man who thought Bagua was rubbish, really. And the flowery. <laughs> but because he didn't really know all the trips and throws and, and um, takedowns. I find that's quite common, though, with, yeah. with a lot of the Western Bagua practitioners. They know a Bagua form or they know some movements. Uh, they don't actually know it as a system. Yeah. And and then they they make a conclusion based on that little bit that they've seen. And of course, if all you're looking at is Forms. like, for example, Lian Huanjiang or you know Lao Ba Zhang, it's not going to make any sense to you no, it's on true. its own. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. I remember that. You know, it reminds me. I think it was it might have been after my second training trip with Wang. It was very early, and we we're already right into the Bagua. Still doing Xingyi Chuan as well, but he favors Bagua as well. So yeah, he's was, he's very much a Bagua person. And he's, very he, much. But he, he mixes the Shingi and Bagua up pretty flawlessly. Yeah. He doesn't really, you know, he does his own, as you say, as you know, we've got to develop our own expression and version of things. Mm. But I remember I flew back to Perth from over here, and I and I was deep into the Bagua, and I went to a class, and there was another staunch Shingi guy, and he's you know late twenties, and ah, that Bagua's all flowery garbage, you know. And I said, oh, what? <laughs> What particularly is flowery about it? Oh, it's all just useless, you know, flourishes move. I said, well, what's what's a flourisher one? <laughs> Can you give yeah, me like an example? Like, which part are you an example? Yeah. What specifically are you talking about? And my memory is um, that he, he he did like a um, a uh, following body palm, like we call a lower piercing palm, you know? Right. And, you know, doing the off of the arms bowl, the Buddhist monk off of the arms bowl at the end. It's like all this sort of stuff mm-hmm. coming down here and doing all this. And I said, oh, yeah. I said, actually, that's a really good move. And um, I was like, oh, yeah. And I said, oh, yeah. Put your hands up and, you know, he puts up, takes his kind of santi, modified santi, and comes in or something, just dip down, fireman's carry, boom. Wheel throw. Right over. Wheel throw. Yeah. It's a wheel throw. Bang. See <laughs> yeah. you later. Yeah. yeah, I just did that fireman's carry and just seeing fireman's. Oh, damn, oh, I didn't know it was for that, you know, and just, uh, you know, it was just a good eye-opener for it. But it's just a typical attitude, and that's most of the time not even their own. As you say, they've just seen some forms or patterns and, exactly, you know, or maybe some, you know, uh, uh, some other people's attitudes that they borrowed. But, uh, yeah, I, I just took to it like a duck to water, and it was complex and reversals and particularly the wrestling and stand-up grappling and... and, and the china, the locking, the controlling. yeah. I mean. yeah. Yeah, and, and just escapes and and the whole sort of uh, um, strategy, the combat strategy of it. Right, right. Yeah, there's a lot to it. And that's why it takes time to, to actually go into it and understand it and develop it. I mean, you were mentioning for the for the listeners um, the, the Ding Shi. And, yeah. um, you know, that's basically the, the foundational practice for our line of Liang, Liang Bagua is the Ding Shi Bajang, the, yeah. the eight fixed. Yep. fixed posture that's uh, how we all start that's how we should all start yeah and and there you go you see another example of this idea of Zhuang or post standing because even though you're walking the circle mm. it's a mobile route but a fixed posture so yeah you know it's it's got a very similar it's if you take santi sure as a fixed route and a fixed posture then you've got you know ding shi bajang as a mobile route with a fixed posture and then you move on from there it's a very similar concept 
uh, just with a with a with a step so yeah yeah and, and you have to develop that you like so, i remember my teacher even saying things like you know if you're too busy sometimes at work you've got too many things to do work or whatever uh you don't have time with bagua at least do the dingsha bajang at least do that yeah you know and uh, sure. and you can get away with it for the day but don't ignore that at least you know yeah, so. yeah i would add yeah dingsha and the single and double palm change exactly those, so the, the first in, couple of mother palms yeah definitely yeah 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 and like, you know, i always say to students as well it's like you know those fixed palms take almost like it's the snapshot it's the end of a movement and mm. so when we're when we're holding them walking around that's why it looks funny to people they're thinking oh what are you going to do walk at someone with your, your hands you know held out in these funny shapes I don't understand that that's the end of a movement that you go through. You're training the strength of that, the frame of that. You're training the frame, yeah, the, and the energies that are manifested that, and yeah. held. And this yeah. is where people sort of might get it wrong. They're holding these stiff frames out and all you have is this extension of framing energy and they're trying to push people out of it. They're not understanding that that thing sure is the end point. If we were running through film of a dynamic movement in Bagua, then you might have a covering palm or you might have your... Um, you know, embrace the moon or something, the hands out in front of your chest. That's what's happening at the end of that thrust or the end of that grab, that movement. And we're holding mm -hmm. that end moment. And that, you know, I've just that I've got a energy and blood. A, a friend who studied them when he first learned them and then he he started trying to put them together into one session, right? To do them back to back all yeah. eight. And he was he told me the next day he felt like he wanted to call an ambulance. <laughs> so People don't realize when you do it right how how difficult it is. <laughs> so, how much work it is? Yeah, it's real. It's work. a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, it's real. It's real work. That's why I remember when I first started teaching, my teacher telling me, you know, when we start walking the circle in winter, after a couple of circles, you can take your shirt off. That's it. And I was like, ah, it's too cold. But yeah. when you start doing it, you realize you really can. You generate so much heat. Yeah. So yeah. hundred percent. And. Um, do you, did you do the really low postures? And we, we used to call it a, a stick grinding step because one Shrifu used to get like, I guess, kind of like twigs, but thick ones, put them all around the circle. And we used to have to You'd push have to with the ball. Push them. Yeah, but also break them. So we used yeah. to have to break the sticks, push on it, snap it, try and snap that stick. We used to dig that in. Um, yeah. Mm. We have this... Um, I the the words for each step in tang ni bu uh is dung mo ti tang cai so dung is to pedal mo is to rub uh dung mo ti ti is to kick tang is the wading and cai is to stamp and it works in that sequence right yeah so yeah it's Stamped. exactly that and and the tongue part my teacher would always say like there's a stick on the floor or a rope on the floor and you're rubbing it yeah you're rolling it and then tie is to snap it at the end. That's it. So, yeah, we, we practice like that. I mean, that's, that's at least in Liang, that's the way to do it, particularly our Liang. So I know that other lineages kind of have different uh, different focuses on their Tang Ni Bu, but ours is exactly like that, as you mm -hmm. mentioned. Yeah, yeah, it's great stuff. It's a real conditioning exercise as well. That's how I tell my guys too, is this is a conditioning exercise as well. For sure, for sure. Mm. So have you when was the last time you you came back into china and uh and i you know you you've brought students here before as well yeah it was i haven't actually been there for about 10 years now it was master wang's 70th birthday 
and I had a Baishura ceremony to take Dieter on there. He wanted me to take Dieter, uh, uh, disciple students on for anyone's listening. Um, he wanted me to have a Baishura ceremony in China for everybody to see us there, kind of validate okay. uh, me and us there. So it was a massive gathering. It was martial artists, masters from all, it was hundreds of people there. Shaolin gods yeah. and Yichuan, Xing Yichuan, Bai Bai Zhang. There's people everywhere. And, um, yeah, we brought a small group of students over and, and some of those uh, became my Dietzer as well uh, at that time. So I actually had the ceremony up there on, on, on the stage. Oh, that's nice. That, yeah, yeah, it was a real uh, privilege and, and honor to do that. And that was about 10 years ago? You yeah, said, huh? maybe 11 years ago or so. Or, yeah, you haven't been back since. I mean, China's very, as you know, changed so much. I mean, I'm sure you, you've been there for a while now, haven't you? Yeah, 13, 12, 13 years constantly. Yeah. But I've been training here for 20 years. Right, right. So you so, know exactly yeah. how different it was 20 years ago? Oh, yeah. It's completely yeah. different. Yeah, so that early, that, that sort of late 90s, early 2000s was a different place. And then by the mid-2000s, yeah. it's just, yeah. It wasn't the same deeds. It wasn't the same people. It wasn't the same sort of um, feeling in, in that. So it just changed so much. And yeah. Um, yeah, that was the last time I went over there to, for that was for his, um, that shindig for the seventieth and had the Baishu there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's a big that's a big thing, and I'm I'm sure your students really enjoyed. It. I mean, if that was their first time as well, it must have been a total total experience for them. Yeah, it was a bit of a whirlwind trip. Unfortunately, didn't have much time due to a lot of different things. So we basically oh. focused. We didn't get they didn't get to do a lot of training. Did a little bit. Um, and there wasn't many people around to train with, um, so it was just a bit of a whirlwind trip uh, for right. the Baishura. It was mainly, it was different from the other time. I had a couple of guys, um, uh, Ben Chapman and John Paul Stats, and they would come to China with me, and, and Byron Hillier as well, and they did a lot mm. of uh, uh, training over the years before that and decades before that. They've been on numerous mm. trips with me and, and on their own as well, yeah. Oh, that's so, awesome, though. Yeah, that great. they got the experience anyway. So mm. I'm just trying to remember if it was 10 years ago where I was because, you know, it could have been at that time. Sometimes my teacher would be called to one of his uh, groups that he'd be teaching in. in he, he had quite a few different groups in Russia, uh, mm. so it was like some in, in, is that in different parts. Is yeah, it yeah. So it might have been during a period he wasn't there. I don't remember if he was there. Um, Jiao Da yeah. Yuan, I think, was there. I remember yeah, he, seeing it was a bit of a blur. Most of us drank too much at the same time uh, on that day. Just a few <laughs> bad heads going around uh, there. Yeah. But um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it would be interesting because I guess it maybe it was 11, yeah, 11 to 12 years ago, even now. God, because of COVID, mm. it's just throwing everything out, the whole timeline. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, but yeah, you may well have been somewhere, but I'd be surprised. If I would have remembered though, but yeah, it might have been a period if my teacher wasn't in China, then I wouldn't have gone. So right. yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, he might have been on one of his little teaching trips to, to Russia for a week or two. So yeah, great. yeah at that time. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, so but they're, you know they're, they're the last three that are alive of Li Zeming's original disciples. Yes, you know, that's, that's right. Sad. They learn in the old ways very much. Yeah, I Must mean, I remember the last time I saw Machuan Shu, he died just in the beginning of COVID, just in the beginning of the pandemic. But yes. I remember the last time I saw him. 
mm. and 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 others and you know now they're all gone so it's true you know, time time is just going really i saw um i saw your teacher uh maybe four months ago at a baisha ceremony of jiao da yuan's student so one of his okay. students so my again one of my my uh, brothers he's a shigula an older brother he was doing a baisha for his students and yeah. um yang shimin um he's one of jiao da yuan's older students so i went there and 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 wang tong was there as well so, oh, great. and i hadn't seen him for i don't know maybe a year and a half with COVID going on. Yeah. So everyone's getting old. Everyone's getting old. Exactly. So. I speak to him every year for his birthday. We give him a call. Yeah. We talk on the phone and between his non-existent uh, English and my um, very limited bad Chinese as well, we, we get through <laughs> and maybe put some, a family member on speak, speak a bit more um, uh English and yeah, we we always get to communicate every year and send him a card and do all the DJ things that I would normally do. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's great. That's so great. yeah, I- yeah, we we concentrated. Um, I think you know, thinking back, even think about talking to you and having a bit of trip down the memory lane. Like you know, Wang Shifu used to say to me all the time. You know, Ding Shi, Bada Zhang, Long Xingjiang, no. And he just used to make the, the tight millstone guard of walking and do the piercing palm. And yeah. single palm train, he said, this is Bagua, this is Bagua. I think there was almost a bit of a freedom. I remember thinking this, like me not being Chinese or living in China, I don't have to represent everything identically, you know, right. form on point, these things. There was a free expression for him. I mean, we, we certainly did do all the forms and all that sort of thing as well. Mm. But we were able to free, I think it freed him up a little bit and to concentrate and we would spend a lot of time on the fundamentals and a lot of uh, applications and he was right. just absolute wealth of knowledge of all martial arts and chinna and locks and throws and holds not just not just his lineage of um, you know xing yichuan and bagua jang either so yeah so because we live he lived with me in, in australia all those times then you know it was all day in the night on the couch even if he had the telly going here just exactly and finger <laughs> holds and and breaks and just constantly I mean, that's one of my joys with my teacher as well. I'll be yeah, sitting in his apartment. We'll be, we'll have eaten something and we're just sitting talking. Maybe he's got some CCTV sport channel on because he always likes to watch. It doesn't matter what sport yeah. is on. He'll turn that on and watch it. So it could be curling and he'll watch it. I don't know how he gets through that. But then in the middle of that, he'll be like, now let me show you something with this lock on this finger and, you know, with this wrist That's and this it. little action here. And then it somehow it'll always tie back to whatever he was just watching that gave him, that reminded him to, yeah. to, to, to show you. Yeah, those, those are great. That, those are great moments. That's the transmission. That That's what the, you know, YouTube and, and Instagram and our videos and stuff just, just can't portray is that energy exchange, that that person-to-person transmission that these arts have held dear for for you know generations and generations that's how it's really passed on to you that depth that's fantastic yeah agree mm. fully mm. and now you're you you you've got a you're teaching in australia i i i've yep. seen your one uh, endeavor it's called silentium wrestling if yep. i'm if i'm correct as well so w- what is all that and and what what are you busy with yeah so teaching xingyi chuan and bagua zhang as well uh, separate classes yeah. for that and then about five years ago, I had a bit of a vision. There was just enough stuff sort of coming outside Xingyi and Bagua. I couldn't really 
in all good faith, you know, it's material and training because I also trained in wrestling like the last five years, trained in wrestling, okay. judo, um, BJJ a little bit as well. Um, I normally train okay. with um, uh, Jason Miller, who's a Gaha black belt, very high level, a great grappler and a great wrestler and an American uh, wrestling coach as well, Gary Clovius. Okay. Started off with um, Jason and, and Gary about five years ago, and just to because because I love wrestling. I spent about ten years in my bagua too. When I realised that bagua was full of, um, you know, kai shuai jiao and shuai jiao type and and wrestling type moves, I spent about ten years sort of extracting the trips and throws and and finding all of that in in all the shapes, in all the dingshu shapes, and all the changes. It's one of the things that I sort of do is. Pretty much all our techniques have a striking and a grappling or chinna application, mm. uh, you know, on any any palm and any movement can be uh, one or the other. Generally speaking, obviously some are more escapes and some are more strikes. But right, uh, right, right, right. But I really concentrated on the trips and throws and takedowns, and so um, and look for similar things. Uh, I remember I got a remember there was VCDs. Are there still VCDs in China? I think you can still buy them, but I haven't seen a VCD player <laughs> yeah. for a while, so right. I don't know what good it'll do for you. So. <laughs> one of my, one of my, because this is, um, uh, you know, as soon as the internet came out on stuff, and one of my fellow uh, Dieter, uh, I sort of next generation one up, one of Wang's Dieter, asked him about if he could keep an eye out for any um, Shua Jiao uh, training materials for, and he found me this seven VCD set that he got okay. from me. Which was great, and so I studied that um, over and over again. Who was the teacher on the set? Do you oh, remember? You're going to ask me that. Um, <laughs> he's the he's that most famous one with the cropped Li gray hair, small Li guy, old school. Li Baoru. Yeah. Yeah, I Li think Baoru. so. Yeah. yeah. I know the set. I've got that set. As you got well. that set? I've also I've got, it's got a, the supplementary a, a, training and stuff in it as well. Yeah, I've also got the. Um, there was like a 15 DVD set. That him and his student, a student of his, put together, right. which was seriously in depth, and I got that like ten years ago. Right. Uh, full disclosure: I still have all my VCDs and all my DVDs, but I do not have a single CD drive in the house, so we have a small problem <laughs> makes, there. Makes it hard, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, I spent a lot of probably from yeah once I, I guess kind of, two thousand and five onwards. It's been a good sort of eight to ten years, really concentrating on. All sorts of throws out of the Ding Shu, Bada Zhang, Long Shang Zhang. That were my main three. We do the 64 fighting palm as well, but right. do the fixed eight palms and the eight mother palms or big palms and the dragon form. To me, they're the core mm. of our art and style. Um, so yeah, really concentrated on that. And then I started just to do look at other forms of wrestling, Georgian wrestling. Once the once the internet really um, Chibayoto, I think it is. Um, it's a great art. Uh, very simple. Yeah, they're very good. Yeah, and um, that was a big influence on me. And then I um, did a little bit of judo over here. And, and as I said, then I got into some uh, collegiate style wrestling and yeah. um, judo. And, and and I still do stuff with uh, uh, with Jason Miller over there at um, Real Fitness. Nice. Gaha BJJ. Uh, yeah, every week, every Thursday, we train together. I, he trains me, yeah. I started about eight years ago going into BJJ gyms and I started it here because I wanted other bodies to throw. Yeah, um, that's it. 
and then from then I've, Fromo, I've been studying it? that as well. Yeah, I mean, it's different. Like, you, sorry, say again. Do you find a lot of people don't like the stand-up throwing? In China? Uh, in the BJJ, they want to start on the ground? Oh, yeah, but look, the I was lucky in the, the first teacher that I found here. He was a black belt under... He got his black belt given to him by Hicks and Gracie, but he was a Pedro Sauer black belt. Right. So he was from America. He was uh, an American guy, and uh, he had black belts in other arts as well, including judo. So he would like, you know, he would he would he would emphasize you've got to know how to throw people and stop yeah, them no, from throwing that's, you. That's so true. So, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I I I always stand. I'm always on my feet. You know, if you want to sit down in front of me, that's your choice. Yeah, so, yeah. That, yeah. that was that's what's good about um, training with. Um, Professor Jason Miller, like he starts on the feet. He's a really good wrestler, good at judo. He's great at throw, trips and, throw, and throws and takedowns as well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good fit. Yeah, yeah, so, that's great. Yeah, that's the, my style sort of emphasizes uh, that. And that, that's a bit of a long way of saying how I sort of got into the Silentium wrestling. And I was also interested yeah. in the internal side of things. Um, I, you, I'm very practically minded in all applications and it's got to work. For me, there's none of that kind of magical bullet stuff as far as what we do. Um, so I wanted to have a, an internal, a separate, and that's where the Salentium comes from. I wanted to have a sitting in the silence more of an actual contemplative practice hmm. and combining uh, a jacketed wrestling form, which is a mix of, of Bhagwan and Shingi techniques of the wrestling parts of those arts as well, plus a bit of cash okay. wrestling. And the other wrestling I've, I've, I've been learning over the last kind of five, six years as well. And um, so I wanted a separate format or needed a separate format for that. And yeah. that's, that was um, kind of the genesis of Slentium uh, Wrestling. That's awesome. And the name, does it hark back to anything specific? Yeah, Slentium or... is a Latin word for, it means, it originally means both stillness and silence. And so right. we bookend our wrestling practice with sitting in, in the silence, a contemplative prayer. And it comes from a Western spiritual uh, Christian tradition as well. And okay. uh, so it's a contemplative prayer practice in the silence. You don't have to be a Christian or anything to do it. But uh, it comes from that contemplative practice. And I yeah. wanted that. I wanted to not have to go to two different practices, but I wanted to have that kind of boundary. And so we start and finish uh, sitting in the silence together on the mats. Okay. And, um, you know, there's wrestling. And I, you know, getting into traditional wrestling around the world, as you you would well know, is that wrestling and spirituality, you know, to wrestle, you know, Jacob, Jacob wrestling with the angel, it's biblical, yeah. it's ancient. Everywhere around the world, that wrestling has a spiritual component, you know, the internal uh, wrestle as much as the external wrestle. And um, mm. to combine those things, felt very passionate about that as well. So is that is that uh, a separate teaching to your Shingi yeah. and Bagua specific? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've got people okay. that would come and do that that don't do Shingi and Bagua, even though okay. it's a circular Bagua esque style of wrestling. Yeah. I see. Yeah. And uh, how how are people? To, I mean, which would you say people are more uh, willing to or interested in between those? those few different um, methods well, I mean, like uh Salentium wrestling is a virtual i don't want to say it's a new art in that sense but it is a new practice format it's a new practice in that sense so people don't really know what it is where a okay. shingi and bagua um 
have people have a reference a reference point for that. So um, probably overall, I mean, it goes through different stages. We get a bit more interest in Salentium, get a bit more interest in the Shinichuan and Bagua. Um, nice. But uh, the COVID, I launched this wrestling. I launched a new wrestling system and style just before COVID hit. Oh, great! <laughs> so it was the worst kind of business venture that I could uh, ever have done. So it was yeah. pretty bad timing because we weren't allowed to do any contact. We weren't, and people were also just kind of, you know, a lot of people just fell off and just didn't want to do any contact stuff. And the government forbid it over here. So there was a long period, and that was that was not long. I'd kind of labbed it for you know like put it in the laboratory i'd, I'd, I'd put on a few workshops and you know mm. a bunch of people come in and and, and i've been working on it for a few years prior and um but i got to that point where i launched some regular classes and just before COVID hit so it was um still recovering from that to be honest and how's it is it is our restrictions all lifted now you're able to do whatever yeah. you want yeah yeah pretty okay. much well, yeah that's good yeah it's all lifted. that's good yeah. Yeah, it's great. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's, I mean, it's just a matter of getting back into things. I don't know how long it's going to take for people to get back to fully normal, but I think most people that were involved in martial arts and particularly grappling arts, like I was before, I mean, I've been doing that for eight years on top of my other practices. It's like when COVID came, it wasn't as if I don't want to do it. It was as if like, right, who's got a, who's got a bicycle lock and who's got a place to, to train? All right, cool. <laughs> We'll just lock the door, put a curtain over the door, so in case the cops come, they don't see us. But we carried on training. You know, we tried our even if it was just a few of us. We carried yeah, so on. did we. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what we did as well. We did very similar things, and and I guess it's also you know it's sort sort of a couple of us said you know it's it's proof that like the Shingi and Bagua having forms to do because we're allowed to. They suddenly realised oh, hey, you got to let people exercise. And so actually having forms to do, even though I'm not that forms heavy per se, but um, mm. we still do them because they're the foundation. Well, let's say individual practice. I mean, yeah. it doesn't have to necessarily be forms. It That's can right. just be individual practice. Yeah, yeah. because yeah, I definitely em emphasise the shadow boxing element of the form, seeing the form as a living library of technique, plus all the requirements and, and mechanisms yeah. of force and various things as well. But... Um, it gave us that ability to have the distance, the social distancing they want us to have, or to go out in the park and, and train in the morning um, yeah. and keep the distance and still run classes. Yeah. So, whereas well, even without classes, if you're locked down. Yeah, if you're locked down. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. I mean, okay, hindsight is twenty twenty, so we kind of know now that all of the requirements were a bit stupid. But, yeah. um, you know, I kept on... Even at times when, like, we, we, I had been locked down in my apartment as well. Uh, last oh, exactly wow. a year ago, yeah, I was locked. True. They even they put a thing on my door, everything. But, um, but you know, for me, it's like, okay, so I'm just gonna push the couches aside, walk the circle in the living room every day, carry on. At least I'm getting that's it, uh, my, my stuff done, and I'm and I'm pretty happy. I'm not like other people going absolutely bananas when they're not locked it inside. I, you know, if you've got these practices. You can still do things, right? That's you still right. got a anchor and an ability and an outlet to do things. And I 100%. think that's pretty good. Yeah, those solo practices it just became so important, so valuable. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. fantastic. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so that's um, uh, kind of how I go with Salentium. There are two main martial arts practices, doing the Shingi and Bagua classes and then running the Salentium uh, as well as a separate. I mean, there's some people that do both, but... Um, okay. 
yeah, they, there's, there's kind of separate things. Yeah. Well, that's great. I hope it, I hope it grows. I hope your, your newly launched just before COVID, uh, <laughs> Silentium wrestling grows and, and, and you guys wear jackets, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was uh, just a bit of a refinement process. I sort of tr- tried it without it, but I like the idea of having, you know, traditional rest, all those forms of jacketed traditional wrestling with a big mm-hmm. influence on me, um, the European ones as well. And I really, really respected those old school traditional kind of village styles. And, right. and um, yeah, the Shuaijiao jacket was something that I was familiar with. And so I started incorporating that into the style. Okay, well, yeah, that's great. Well, yeah, I hope it, I hope it picks up and uh, people get into it, and I hope more people yeah, get interested in Xingyi Chen and Bagua Zhang, particularly our family's uh, Bagua Zhang specifically. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's it's great that that that's happening down there, and I wasn't aware of it, so I'm really happy that, that mm. we managed to to meet, and and hopefully I can be down there at some point soon, and we'll definitely get together. Oh, definitely. That sounds fantastic, mate. I look forward to that. Are you able to train and stuff over there normally now? or? Yeah, well, Beijing is basically the forbidden city once again. So um, but you can't come in from other provinces without... Uh, and definitely for the last, you know, that the government meeting just happened here. So Beijing was closed off even to deliveries. We weren't right. able to order... Like uh, if you had uh, online, you bought something and it was coming in from another province, you weren't getting it now. You're going to wait until the... The meeting is done so f- for the moment w- apart from the inconvenience of having to test every three days maximum and the random locking down of con through contact tracing we've been training so that's okay, okay for now you know wow. i have heard in the last few weeks there's an uptick in in cases so who knows what the hell they decide to do but for now it's it's okay it's okay for now jeez mm, yeah. okay it's very severe i mean we were pretty severe here at one point but now seem just to be dealing with it and moving forward yeah isn't well, that odd though isn't yeah. it odd like we we yeah. weren't so severe in the beginning of COVID, and then now when the omicron's come out and basically all the young people have been vaccinated here so i don't see what the issue is but now that it's even less of a major issue for most of the people now yeah. they've implemented like serious restrictions and controls it's very strange yeah so, mm. I'm hoping it ends because China's been closed off. It's been very difficult. I, nobody can come in. So if you're coming in on a tourist, there's no such thing as a tourist visa at the moment. And for us that are in here to go out and in is difficult and or very expensive. So it's just been a major burden. Honestly. Yeah. So, well, I hope it lifts for you very soon. Yeah, I'm hoping. You can get back to some normalcy and get back. Where do you normally train um, when you are normal, would you, would you, would you go to back to the bamboo, bamboo park or, or purple bamboo? No, I mean, for the last few years, my teacher lived in Weigongtun, which is Haidian district. That's where he's okay. lived his whole life, right? right. So we, used, we stopped training even when they demolished that restaurant. They, they, it's, we weren't able to use that. That was, oh, I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago. We okay. just started training. He's got a really nice area within his apartment complex, an open courtyard. And it's, it's, it's got shading from trees. It's a really nice spot. And we never used to use it in the past because he had just always been teaching and training close to the bamboo park. But for the last six or so years, we, used to, we just trained there. So, you know, if we did train at my teacher, even before COVID, that's where we were training, which was close to his home. Yeah, that's so. great. And it's easier for him. He just comes down and, you know, it's close to him. And when did you have your Basha uh, with him? When? 
Yeah. The first time I did it was actually in his apartment after a training session. Ah, yeah. Um, uh, he told me, uh, you're going to come and eat after training. And <laughs> we were training that afternoon. And this wasn't odd for him. It was quite normal that Shrimu would make... She makes the best dumplings. If anybody's who's listening yes. knows, she makes she makes the best dumplings. But um, she my they wife, would call me quite. Shrimu, Maya Shrimu's uh, dumpling recipe as well. Like the, the, the there you go. Yeah. Fantastic. So, and then I was sitting in, in with him, and he just said, "Okay, very long, Nisha, what a deedza." You know, he basically just said, "You're, you're yeah. my disciple." Okay. And he said, "We will plan a public ceremony at some point when there's yeah. more people." And that was some years later that there were more people. More but, people. Um, you know, when he first told me that I was his deedza, that was basically, uh, you know, my acceptance or rumen when I became his disciple. So, yeah. That's right. And that was probably 10 years ago, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so, we, I, I had mine with Wang and, and a few other guys. We actually had it in Australia. Um, okay. Like he was out, I think it was, might have been his first trip in 2000. Was it 2000 or 2001? Okay. Um, yeah, and had a lot of people around. Did they have? Did um, did you have the incense idea? If the incense ash falls down? Yeah. You, well, the you know incense cannot fall down. Yeah. When you have to put the the the, bashir, the, the certificate on your head and balance it, and uh, when they take it off your head, uh, if the incense uh, falls down, the ancestors don't permit you to become the deeter. Did you? Oh, no, we didn't do that. But but for <laughs> I've been like the last time he and which was the last time he accepted any deeds. Yeah. I was there. I mean, this was way after mine, uh, my, my ceremony. And usually somebody of the same generation of the person who's accepting students has to. He lights. He firstly, my teacher will light the incense, right? But then there's yeah. got to be somebody from the same generation to stand next to it and make sure that the incense doesn't fall down for the yeah. entire, the entire ceremony. Yeah, right. And because it was a period of time that, okay, as you know, many of them have passed away, and some were away, and one was ill. Yes. Yeah. Um, they couldn't come, so I had to take care of the incense during during that that ceremony. But it's a similar concept; it shouldn't fall down. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I remember just going out and finding the thickest, uh, you know, ash that will fall on there. And when you'd wait until it fell down and then it was uh, all clear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's classic. Yeah. Stories, yeah. So, so, yeah, that was, uh, I, I'd say, uh, I would say 10 years ago, but it could have been, it yeah. could have been before that. I don't remember when it was. It was mm. a long time ago. But we did the public one maybe eight or something years ago here in Beijing. Yeah, great. So, yeah. Great. Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah, fantastic. So, well, it's been great chatting to you. Um, yeah, I don't want to take up your whole you. your whole evening. No, yeah, it's great you, to talk to you. Yeah, it's a trip down memory lane as well. Yeah. Hopefully we can do this in person and maybe we can record a follow-up in person and we can do the the actual ceremony of the Drunken Boxing Podcast is drink beer while we actually have this discussion because that's, well, that's what's supposed to happen. To that. <laughs> All right, so we'll, we'll, we'll try aim for that at some time when I'm, when I'm down there and I'm hoping to be down there in the next year. I haven't seen my dad for quite a few years and I have to come down and see him, so... We'll definitely, we'll definitely definitely catch up for the official in-person drunken session, session. <laughs> with beers Perfect. and tote. We'll get you some good okay. drunken too. 
All right, perfect. In the meantime, what I'll do is um, uh, you'll send me whatever links you want made publicly for people if they want to contact you or learn yep. more about you or even come and study with you. And I'll put them in the description and the notes of the podcast and and where it's published. And uh, yeah, so uh, that way people can get in contact with you that are interested. That'd be fantastic, man. I really appreciate that. And it's been great to talk to you. And uh, I've been enjoying your, your podcast and, and some fantastic guests. And, I, and I'm really grateful and appreciative that you uh, invited me on uh, tonight. Well, thank you for that. But the honor is all mine talking to people like you. So I hope you have a good evening and we'll chat soon. You too. Peace be with you. Okay, bye-bye. See you.